If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open the me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 10, and we will begin in verse 1. Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. And uh, you remember from our previous studies that Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem, where he will later be crucified and buried, and on the third day he will rise again. And he's called those that follow him to follow him basically on a death march. You remember, um, he's, he's put out a couple of calls to discipleship. He said, uh, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and, and follow me. And, and last time we looked at this, we saw that he called us to count the cost and to put him first and, and to not delay in coming after him. And today we're going to get some movement in that direction again. Jesus is going to send out some disciples ahead of himself because he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to be stopping at some places. So he's going to send out some disciples to kind of set the stage and, and prepare for his coming. And, um, and, and in this text that we're going to look at, we're going to see some things that, that uh, is for us today as well. So if you found Luke chapter 10, please stand with me if you're able. We'll pick up in verse 1, and we will read down just to verse 12 today. It says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Say in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy, of, uh, is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are, who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in, in that day for Sodom than for that city. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is the mission. I want you to see the mission that Jesus sent the disciples on. Now, if you look back at verse 1, the Bible says that the Lord appointed 70 others to go. Now, if you're reading, if, if, if you're using your own Bible, not just looking up on the screen at, uh, at the text that I preach from... Your Bible may say something differently there because your Bible may say either that he sent 70 out or depending on your translation, it may say that he sent 72 out. Now, that's not a huge difference, but, uh, but it is there. And, and the reason is because there's, uh, there's a textual variant there. And, and depending on what manuscripts uh, the tr your, your Bible's translators gave weight to will depend on which number they chose uh, to put there. And, and there's ancient, uh, ancient support for both 70 and 72. But either way, he sent out 70 or 72 disciples ahead of himself. So who are these sent ones? Who are the sent ones? The, the answer is, we don't know. They were some of Jesus' followers. We don't know their names. Uh, Luke is the only one that records this situation. He's the only one that records this incident. Uh, but, but we know it's not the 12. Because you remember in the first part of chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 and he sends them out in pairs, and, and their, their job was to, to, to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and cast out demons, and so forth. And so here, the Bible says that he sends out others. Now, we don't know how big the crowd was that followed along with him at all times. We know it was at least 84 people 
because there were the 12 that were sent out, and if it's 72 here, that's 84 people. Uh, After the resurrection, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to over 500 disciples at once, and, and in the upper room, on the day of Pentecost, there were at least 120 that were gathered for prayer. In other words, there was a big crowd that always went around with Jesus, not just that came to see him heal the sick and hear the teachings, but were disciples of his. But again, we don't know who these folks are. We don't know exactly why they were chosen, but it, it appears that Jesus was very specific in his choosing the 70 or the 72. Why do I say that? Well, likely this is symbolic. Now, I'm not into all this numerology stuff of, you know, a lot of people try and read all these different numbers and meanings and stuff into into the scripture. But I say it's probably symbolic because back in Genesis chapter 10, you remember uh, in in chapter 6, Genesis 6, we have the description of mankind. It's it's extremely wicked. All the thoughts and the intents of man's heart are are only evil continually. And then we we have the story of Noah and the flood and all those things. And in chapter 10 we have the descendants of Noah. Now, there were eight people that got on the boat. There was Noah, Mrs. Noah, and his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their wives, and that was it. And in Genesis chapter 10, we have all these nations that are descended from these three sons. And so, for instance, uh, there was a, a son by the name of Ham, and one of his descendants was a man by the name of Canaan, and from him came a, a, a man by the name of Sidon, which the people that descend from him were the Sidonians, and, and people, uh, another group were uh, the, the Amorites, and we have the Jebusites and the Girgashites, and all these, all these different Canaanites. All these people came from these three men. Now, I say all that because in the Greek version of the, New, of the Old Testament, it's called the Septuagint, there are 72 nations listed there, and in the Hebrew version, there are 70 nations listed there. In other words, it's possible, and I think it's probable, that Jesus picks 70 or 72 uh, disciples to go out before himself, symbolizing that this message is to go out to all people everywhere worldwide. It doesn't matter what tribe, tongue, nation, people it is. It's, this, this message of the gospel is not just for one group. It's not just for the Jews. It's for all peoples everywhere. And that's really reminiscent of the Great Commission, because what does Jesus say? He says, go into all the world, all nations, and make disciples. And so when we get to heaven, it's not going to look just like we look today. It's not going to be all, all uh, uh, homogenous. There's going to be a lot of diversity there. There are going to be people that don't look like us, that don't speak the same language, all kinds of different shades of, of color, and, and, and it's going to be a very diverse place. Because God has a people in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And when you read the book of Revelation, that's what you see. In heaven, it's filled with people from all over the world. And so what do these disciples do? What, what is their goal? What is their mission? Well, it's twofold. If you look back at verse 1 and following, you'll see that it's twofold. Number one, they were to prepare, prepare the way for Jesus through proclaiming the kingdom of God, but also to reap a spiritual harvest. Jesus says in verse 2, that, that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, what Jesus does is something that he, he commonly does, and he likens the kingdom of God to agriculture. Now, here in, in rural southwest Missouri, we, we get that. We understand that. And he uses a picture, in, in this case, of sowing and reaping. Again, this is not the first time that he's used this imagery, because earlier in, in Luke's gospel, you remember, Jesus shared a parable of the sower 
in, in the soils. Remember the, the, the sower goes out to sow and he sows the seed of the Word of God and it lands on some rocky soil and some good soil and so on and so forth. And so, so Jesus, the disciples, you, I, uh, me, we, we spread the, the message of salvation in Christ. That's the gospel. We spread that, and that, that seed of the word lands on people's hearts. It takes root, and it will bear fruit. And the fruit that it bears is, is people believing, people trusting Christ for salvation. And that, that, that fruit is harvested, so to speak, as people come into the kingdom. And so what Jesus says is that, that, that the, 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 the harvest is plentiful. And there's an emphasis in the, in the Bible on hearing the gospel because faith, what? Faith comes by hearing. That is the means that God uses to bring people to faith in Christ. And so Jesus says in verse 2 that the harvest is plentiful. The message was and the message is going out to people all over the place. And people are responding to that message in faith in Christ for salvation. It's not that they're, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at what's going on in the world and we say, well, people must just be staying around with nothing to do as it relates to the gospel. But Jesus says that the opposite is the true. That, that, that it's not that there are, is, that there are too many laborers and not enough work. He says that the, the harvest is so plentiful, we don't have enough people out there to bring it in. He says that we should beseech the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. And again, that, the, the picture is a, a field that's full of grain that's fully ripe. And if it stays there, it's going to spoil. It's going to go bad. And, and, and so we should, we should pursue, we should seek, we should ask the Lord of the harvest, that's God, the one who owns the field, we should ask him to send laborers out into the field to reap that harvest, to, bring, to, 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 to spread the gospel, to bring people to faith in Christ, to exert his authority to send out more people to reap. And I think there's a huge lesson in here for us because sometimes we look around and I don't know if, if you ever feel this way, but sometimes it seems like God's not doing a whole lot right now. Sometimes we look around at our nation and, and what's going on. We look around the world and all that's, that's happening in it. And it can be tempting sometimes to say, well, God's not really bringing a lot of people to faith in Him. It seems like, like the harvest is kind of scarce. But the reminder here is that God is, always has been, and always will be about bringing people to Himself. Another lesson for us is that we ought to be praying for God to send out more people to do His work, bringing the lost to Christ. Now, I know all of you. I know that if, if we were to talk, every person here would say that's an important thing to do. We should be praying that God would send out more people to spread the gospel, to, to lead people to Christ. We would, we would say that's what we should be doing. I believe that. I, I affirm that. And I'm glad for that. But listen, sometimes we need to be willing to be an answer to our own prayers. Sometimes we need to, we, we need to pray that God would send the laborers into the field, but then be willing to go out there ourselves. Pray that God would, would, would send people to, send, to, to spread the gospel, but then spread the gospel ourselves. And, and so the question is, would you answer God's call to labor in the field? Would you serve in ministry? Would you share the gospel with a co-worker, with a family member, with a, a friend or, or a stranger? Would you be a laborer in God's harvest?
it gets a little more a little more uncomfortable then and and let me let me just take another step those of us who have children you might say well yes i believe that god should i i want god to send out laborers into the field would you be what would your prayer be if you knew that god would be sending your son or your daughter into that field maybe they would be serving overseas would you be willing to do that then now i understand not everybody's called to vocational ministry but we are called to be his witnesses. We are called to pray. And that's something that each of us can do. Now look at verse 3. Jesus sends out his followers. And notice how he sends them out. He says, Go, behold, I send you, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. In other words, he's sending us out. And it's not going to be an easy road. There are going to be dangers. There are going to be hardships. And notice he does not send them out to convert by the sword. Now there are, there are groups who in some parts of the world, literally even today, say convert or die. It's convert at the edge of the sword. Jesus doesn't do that. Because every man, every woman, every child is responsible for God, before God, for their sin, and they must trust Christ in order to be saved. He says, I send you out in the midst of... As, 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 as lambs in the midst of wolves. So we see the mission. Next, I want you to see the method. Now, in the interest of time, I was originally going to cover verses 1 to 16. And then I got to looking at it. That's a little bit trimmed down to verses 1 to 12. And in the interest of time, we'll probably just take a, a, a high view right here and, and probably won't even get through all that. In short, I want you to see the method that they use, the, the, the commands that he gives. He says, don't take any provisions, but rather, and this is my summation, rely on God changing hearts to provide for your needs. Now look at verse 4. He says, carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. In other words, uh, now money belt or bag, that's what today we call a, a, a wallet or a purse. And he says, don't take any of that. Don't take money with you. And don't even take a bag to beg with. He, he, he says, you're going to be completely dependent on the people that God is going to, to raise up to take care of you. And he's sending these people out without money. Don't panhandle. Don't beg. He says, don't even take an extra pair of shoes. How many of you, when you go travel, usually have at least another pair of shoes? A lot of us do. Some of us will have a bag full of them, right? And we have a suitcase for our clothes, and we have a suitcase just for footwear. And, and maybe it's because, you know, you, you, you don't want to wear your, your nice shoes down to the pool or whatever it is. But usually we, we take another set of footwear um, when, when we travel. He says don't do that. Now, he's not saying go barefoot. He's saying travel light. Don't take extra shoes. Don't take all this extra stuff. And on top of that, he says, verse 4, don't even greet anybody on the way. Now, understand, he's not telling these guys, hey, you have the sanction of Jesus to be rude. That's not what he's saying. Understand, when we, when we see somebody on the road, what do we do? So we wave at them, right? Maybe it's with the fingers, we drive along, maybe we wave, you know, maybe if we really don't, maybe we give a great big wave. If we see somebody, maybe we even stop, we'll roll down the window, we'll talk to them. Or if you're walking along in, in Walmart or someplace and you see somebody, you stop and you visit for a minute. Now, that's the way we do things. They did things differently over there and back then. 
what they would do is, is they wouldn't just give a, a nod of the head, hey, how you doing, as you pass each other in the store. What they would do is they, as they saw, if they saw somebody traveling, especially if it was somebody they knew, is they would stop, and there's a big emphasis on hospitality over there. And so they would stop, and basically they would shake hands, they would embrace, give each other a hug, they'd give each other a kiss on the cheek, and sometimes they'd do that up to ten times. And sometimes they would even prostrate themselves on the ground before the person in greeting. And, and then they, would, they, they were obligated, because of social convention, to ask all kinds of questions about themselves. How are you doing? How are the, how's the family doing? It just, and it would take a long, long time. And you can imagine how that would be, especially as you're traveling. If you met a lot of people, you wouldn't get anything done. You wouldn't get anywhere. And so this kind of thing would lead to all kinds of of hypocrisy, you know, somebody you don't really like, but you see them, and so you're obligated to greet them, and, oh, hey, how you doing, in the, in the back of your mind saying, man, I can't stand this guy. And so, so there, it could be that Jesus is kind of condemning that practice because of the hypocrisy, but I think more importantly, and more to the point, is, is he's emphasizing, you guys don't have time to waste. You, you have a mission to be on. You don't have time to stop and, and, and delay he says, don't slow, don't slow down, don't, don't lollygag, don't dilly-dally, d- d- keep moving. The message that you have is too important. The task is too great. And the same is true today. Our time is limited. Our time is limited. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Therefore, as Christians, we need to be about his business telling people sharing the gospel with people that don't believe. And on the other side of that, today is the day of salvation. And so if, if you hear his voice, the Bible says, don't harden your hearts. Instead, you need to respond in faith. And if you've never done that, even today, I urge you today to make that choice. Today, to lay down your arms. Right now, to repent of your sin. Without delay, because there is urgency in the message, grab hold of him in faith. Because that's the reason Jesus came. He came so that people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation would be part of the kingdom of God. That they would be saved. And it's a message that goes out to all the world because, as I said before, heaven is going to be a diverse crowd. And God, God, the, the, the kingdom of God is a worldwide mission. It, it, it includes America. It includes Missouri. It includes Lawrence County. It includes this church. Trust Christ for salvation. But listen, his kingdom doesn't consist just of this church or just of this state or this nation. His kingdom is a worldwide kingdom. Pray that God would send laborers into his harvest, no matter where in the world that may be. Pray that he would send people out to spread the gospel, to reap that harvest, and then be willing to answer your own prayer and to go yourself. Pray for those people that are already on the mission field. Pray for their families. Pray for their success and their safety and and their faithfulness. And we think about people like uh, the believers that are over in, in places like Afghanistan who are today facing persecution and even martyrdom because of their faith. We think about believers in places like China who are abducted from their families and they'll be gone for years at a time. Maybe they'll never be seen again simply because they don't toe the government line and they say that, that Xi Jinping is not king. Christ is king. 
That's persecution. Even up in Canada, they're arresting pastors because they have the gall to obey God rather than men. Because they will have a service when Canada says, you can't do that. Preachers are getting arrested. And listen, if, if a government or any other group will jail, imprison, arrest, confine, fine um, with money, people who are peaceably worshiping God, that is tyranny. It's happening in Canada. Canada is not that far away. It's happened in America. And listen, I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. God has not given me some vision of the future. But it seems to me that the writing is, is on the wall. If things continue down the path they're on, and I pray that they don't, they will be the, this stuff that we're seeing elsewhere will come here. It will be more widespread. You say, well, it can't happen in southwest Missouri. You read, you read comments to news articles on Facebook, like KY3 news articles, it can happen here. And it happened pretty easily. When, when and if that comes, I hope it doesn't. But we need to be prepared. How are we, how are you going to respond? If the government or some other body says, you cannot worship God at church, what is your response going to be? What is mine going to be? And I, I'm serious about this. We need to make up our mind before all of it happens. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? Because we need to realize that we have a message to spread and God's sending us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. We have lived in a country and in a time where, where Christianity has, has been, if not dominant, has been not persecuted. That has not been the trend throughout history. America's history has been an anomaly. But we have a message to proclaim and to herald that Jesus is Lord, He is the only way to salvation, and that is a message that we all must get out. He, he's, it's not going to always be easy. Jesus said, I'm sending you as, as lambs among wolves. What a picture that is. But you know what? Not only are we lambs, we, but we have a good shepherd who's laid down his life for his sheep, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And, and, and the Bible takes that and he apply, it, it applies it. It says, therefore, we ask, what can man do to us? And I want to encourage you as, as, as you consider your own role in, in, in the spread of the gospel, in the furtherance of God's kingdom as we pray for laborers to go out into the field, as we pray for the people that are on the mission field, as we, if we can't go ourselves, as we send through mission work and things like that. I just want to encourage you to pray and consider what is your response, your personal response and your responsibility going to be if the wolves get a little bit closer to home. Once you stand with me as the um, musician comes, and as you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just... I just want to encourage you, again, pray that the Lord of the harvest, the owner of the field, would send, would exert his authority, his sending power to send laborers into the field.
And that's easy to do when we think in the abstract. Are we willing to pray that if it even involve our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, us? Because there is an urgency. The harvest is plentiful. There are not enough people to do the work that's that's available. Will you be his witness? If you're a Christian, you are his witness. Will you be a good one? Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that we are not in the exact same position these uh, these first century disciples were. We're not going out before you in a physical sense because we know that you're not coming behind us on a on a journey to Jerusalem or, or anything like that. But Lord, we know that you have given us marching orders in the Great Commission to go into all the world, to reach all the nations starting here at home and to spread the gospel, to make disciples. And God, we join with with these early believers and pray that you would send out labors into your field, into your harvest. We thank you for those who are, who are already uh, involved in that work. We thank you for those countless Christians who have faithfully for years spread the gospel in their in their business in the personal lives maybe as they labor in obscurity in in uh, a church or on the mission field and nobody knows their name but you take note of it and god we want to encourage uh, those folks we want to, we, we we lift them up to you and ask that you would help uh, help those who are involved in that that mission's work. God, we pray that you'd help them be faithful. And we pray especially for those who are being persecuted, that you would help them, help the families. And we pray that their witness to those who are mistreating them would lead those people to you. God, as we look in our own nation, we see that um, we see for various reasons um, Christianity is not regarded in the same way as it used to be. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us here, each of us that's hearing me today, help us all to be faithful when and if we're ever confronted with that, uh, with that choice of obeying you or obeying man. Help us to obey you. God, if there's somebody who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I ask that you would draw them to yourself today. Let today be their day of salvation. We ask these saints in Jesus' name. Amen.